If you look with me at, to the book of Mark chapter 8, verses two, uh, 22 through 26. We're gonna gonna try and really contain myself this morning because this thing is burning in me. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. Then came he, Jesus, to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the tongue. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everything clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, don't go back, don't don't go into the town, nor tell anyone in the town. I don't know, but I... I suspect that he would have said something. If my eyes got touched and I'm seeing you for the first time, I will say something. I think Jesus said that to him uh, maybe using a bit of reverse psychology. And I don't think it was needed here because this is major. This is major. I'd like to use as a topic this morning uh, for everyone that is here. It's time for a second touch. It's time for a second touch. It's time for a second touch. We will try to glean truth from an exegetical breakdown of this biblical account. We'll try to process a bit by bit to arrive at a reasonable and coherent sense of meaning and message in this biblical account. Uh, if we can, I'd like to like us to start with just the basics. The city of Bethsaida. The name Bethsaida means house of mercy or house of grace. It's a place that Jesus frequented during his ministry. He was seen there a lot. There's been a lot of activity in the Bible that originated in or close to Bethsaida. It was near Bethsaida that Jesus walked on the water of Galilee. It was near Bethsaida that Jesus fed 5,000 men, women, and children with two loaves and two fish and five loaves. It's where the disciples, Philip and Andrew, came from. That was their, their hometown. Uh, this is where Jesus healed Peter's mother. Uh, goes on and on. It's where uh, the deaf mute uh, at Decapolis was healed. Or of Decapolis. It was a healing the blind man who was blind from birth uh, in John 9. 
And in that account, uh, Jesus specifically says that this guy was blind from birth. And he did not spit in his eye, but he spit on the ground and took clay and mixed it with spittle and put it on the guy's eye and he was healed. I am very, very keen on considering text and context and looking at little things like uh, in John 9, the man there that was blind was identified as being blind from birth. I look at little things like uh, in Acts, I believe it's Acts 3, when Peter and John were going to the temple as they normally would for prayer, they run into a lame man sitting at the door of the temple begging for alms. And the Bible says that this guy was lame from birth. Quite often, if the person was lame or blind or deaf or crippled from birth, guess what the Bible says? They were lame, blind, crippled from birth. In our text today, it does not say that. It simply says that Jesus is going into Bethsaida, the place of, of mercy, the house of grace, the place where all of these miraculous miracles happened, and he sees this guy blind. As a matter of fact, if you would look again to verse 22, he said, go back to 22. Then he came to Bethsaida and there they brought a blind man to him and they begged him to touch the blind man. There are things that kind of feel a little off there for me. In that Jesus was not, this was not the first time Jesus had come through Bethsaida. I've already established that. It wasn't the very first miracle that happened. By this time, Jesus' name is known. And so the fact that someone, a group of friends or family we don't know, brought this man to Jesus. And then without hearing a word from him, they asked that he would be healed. Kind of throws me off a little bit because if I was blind, I, I just want to get close enough to the guy who's been healing. And you don't have to file a request on my behalf. I got a mouth I may be blind, but since I can still talk, I'm calling. You don't have to do nothing else. But the, the story does not say that. In addition to that, because it's not specific about him being blind from birth, the presumption is that he was seeing at some point. Does it make sense? That at some prior season of his life, he saw things. But even at that supposition, I'm baffled even more in that if you used to see and then you got blind, I don't understand wh why you are not physically involved except that they brought you.
they brought this blind man and begged Jesus to heal him. <laughs> we don't hear him cry out for healing like blind Bartimaeus. You remember him in Mark 10? He heard the crowd and he heard the commotion about this man, this Messiah that was healing and touching and changing people. And a very distance as he heard the crowd coming closer. What did he do? He screamed at the top of his voice, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, now that's a guy I, I know is really looking for some healing. I believe you have to understand a basic picture of this person being brought to Jesus to kind of be able to understand some of why he had to be touched twice. There's a sense of I'm blind and, 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 and I accept it. I used to see and, and, and I accept it. If y'all want to help and you feel like this guy you're talking about can help me, y'all can take me. But, I, you know, I ain't got nothing to say. They lead him to Jesus. He's just standing there. Hopeless, listless, probably not believing that this Jewish stranger is going to do anything for him. Hmm. I want to say something right here. You cannot allow, you cannot allow when you are in need of a touch from Jesus, mercy and grace is applied. That's who he is. The nature of Jesus, the nature of God is what? God is what? L-O-V-E. That's what the Bible says. But I want to challenge you this morning. That unlike what we are seeing in most of America today, folks have stopped pressing in for the presence. If God touches them, they'll take it. If a miracle happens, they'll take it. But somehow, there has been a loss of hunger. And everyone around us seems to be depending nonchalantly on God's mercy and grace. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. But my experience tells me that God is really, really interested in a relationship. And if you live your life just expecting or not expecting anything from God first, but secondly, not making any aggressive move to God. Something is missing because you don't have relationship and only someone that is in an intimate relationship with God can tell you how good that feels.
it becomes a mockery if someone that's married is going through severe issues in their relationship and you pass by them and they are sitting down two on that side a person giving counsel on this side with a pen, paper, and notebook, and the person that is giving them advice, you know, has never been married. It doesn't make sense. For you, To make a connection with something that is not there, you don't know about. You can't tell me. You can tell me what they taught you in school. You can tell me what happened after you passed the test on counseling. But what you can't tell me is about life, being married. Because you hadn't been married. And this is where I believe this blind man was. I believe he had gotten to a place, if our, if our supposition is right, that he had been seeing at one time, and now he's not seeing that he had just accepted where he is. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but the first thing that I want to say, it, it, is, it is absolute time. It is it is time right now for your second touch. Whatever has made you nonchalant, has made you uh, uh, just uncaring anymore, has made you uh, not excited about seeing again. I want to encourage you to press in this morning because it's time for what? A second touch. It's time for a second touch. You know, it was a group of people that brought him to Jesus. Uh, by the way, there's something else that happens. Everyone knows that when one of your senses dies or is dulled, what happens to the others? They become sharper. They compensate. You see, I'm coming up with all of these things that is causing me to question, why wouldn't he call? Because his hearing is better than everyone else. He can hear Jesus further away than everyone else. And yet, the picture that is painted is a group of people looking at him and saying, you know what, we're tired of hiding out with you being blind. We, we, want you, we want you seeing like you used to when we used to hang out. And we're going to take you. There's no... No, nothing that says, I want to see Jesus. The second is that sometimes God pulls us away from the crowd. There's somebody listening to me right now that has been hanging with the crowd. It is highly possible that the same people who brought him this time were the same people who were propping him up in all the areas of his life so that he did not see Jesus or hear Jesus. You need, a, you need, a, you need, you need 20 bucks? Here you go, bro. You, you need a lift? To, to, you want to go to the grocery? I, I'll take you. It is highly possible that the folks that brought him 
were the same people that for a large portion of his life were the folks that enabled him. How many of you know it's twice as hard to get anything done when someone you're trying to help has already been, been, been enabled by someone else? There is nothing harder to change than someone who knows they need to change what they're doing. They're not making any progress. They're not, they're not creating any value in their lives. They're not being profitable with their time. But as you are talking to them about change, there's somebody over there telling them, I'll help you. You need a cigarette? You thirsty? Yeah, I got beer in the house. Sometimes, sometimes, you, you got you to be taken away from the crowd. You know what bothers me about this? is that on the surface, Elder, it looks like because they brought him, they are in favor of him being healed. Right? On the surface, it looks like because they brought him, they must want him healed. I am challenging you to believe that maybe they were as nonchalant as he was and just wanted to see if this guy that says he's the Messiah really done what he said he, everybody said he done. That there was no fate present in any of their lives. No belief in Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And if I look at it that way, then I begin to understand why as soon as they present him to Jesus, Jesus holds his hand and leads, them away, leads him away from them. Second Corinthians six seventeen says, Therefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Do not touch the unclean thing. And then the words that I've been waiting for comes last. And I will receive you. Come out from among them. Separate yourself. Don't touch. Don't go back and touch. What was the dirt? If you could do that. If you can develop a hunger for me, even if it starts with just your lips saying, God, I don't have any feeling I'm numb. Has anyone ever been numb? That whatever happened has caused numbness. And God is so wonderful that even when you are numb and you really don't mean it yet, if you call on the name of the Lord, he's going to save you. God. 
I can't understand a God that's that good. I don't understand how God could think about me before I got here. And then, without having a discussion with his own son, he makes the decision to crucify, let him be crucified, hanged on a cross, shed his blood, first coming in human form, leaving eternity, coming into human form, and going through the entire process just for me. If you're listening to me, he made the first move. It's time for a second touch. He gave first. It's time for a second touch. You may not be feeling good. You may not be feeling hopeful. You may not have feelings of trust. You have lost. You feel broken. I know, I know, I know. All of those feelings put together creates numbness. Creates a sense of hopelessness. Leaves the door open for the adversary to whisper in your ear. If God didn't help me in the midst of my beating, in the midst of my torment, in the midst of my sickness, why should I hope now? You should hope because everything that you have gone through, he was going through it with you. And the reason you are able to speak today is because he was there with you. The reason you are still breathing today is because he was there with you. The reason you can walk today is because he was with you. The reason you can breathe, the reason you can smile, the reason you can cry, the reason you can show any emotion is because he was always there with you. It's time for a second touch. Talk about those times when you know what you need to do, but you can't find the strength to pull away. Have you been there? Are you in there? Are you right there now? You know it's time for a second touch. I know I'm talking to somebody. It's time for your second touch. But you are depleted. Can I tell you this morning, you came to the right place. Because today, this is Bethsaida for you, House of Mercy. Today, this is Bethsaida for you, House of Grace. And today, you are being introduced or reintroduced to a man that will show you everything you ever did and still not judge you. The woman at the well looks at him and he says, if you only knew the water that I give, if you could only taste the water that I am telling you about, you, you would never thirst again. And as the conversation goes on, she finds out 
what it means to have the real water. The real water. The life that comes from Jesus himself. She drops her, her bucket right there at the well. And she tears into the city. I was preparing a message for today that God wanted to add some more meat to. So he said, son, not today. But I will tell you this about it. I started looking at that verse in Psalms that says, as a deer pants after the water brooks, my soul pants after you. You know, I've read that hundreds of times. Deacon, I've read that hundreds of times. Until, as I was writing, penning what God was giving me for that message, the Holy Spirit whispered to me, Son, you understand why you got to pant right after me. You pant for two reasons, because you're thirsty you're exhausted it's too hot you've been running and deer don't run to exhaustion unless they've been chased and then God said to me the reason you got a pant for me is because the devil is panting after you Do you understand that you, you are going up against a guy that all, all he thirsts for is your life? All he lives for is stealing, killing, and destroying you and I. If that isn't panting after something, then I don't know what panting is. And God said to me, son, you got to pant after me because he's panting after you. And in my head, I, I saw that picture of me running to God, running, I'm running, running after God. But if I listen closely, there's, a, there's, there's some footsteps running behind me, chasing me down. I refuse to let the devil pant more than me. Do I have a witness? Do I have a witness? Someone who was drawing a line in the sand and saying, I refuse to let the devil pant after me more than I pant after God. I refuse to let the devil run faster behind me than I am running to God. I will not stop panting. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you can't see, your hearing gets stronger. Woe to you if you're hearing the wrong voices when you're blind. There are things that are blinding us in different parts of our lives. It's like have everybody's got a behind. Nobody can see their own behind. Everybody's got one. And if you got one, there's stuff at your behind that you need God to see. You are completely blind to it. And unless God shows it to you, it'll be the death of you. Unless God fixes it, it'll be the death of you. Unless God steps into your space 
it will be the destruction of you. So today, 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 we will not just pant after him, but we're going we're gonna to give him watch over our lives, our complete, total lives. But I end up with the last part of that story. Jesus leads him away from the crowd, takes him to a place away from all of the noise, the negativity, the nonchalance, the, 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 the whatever the attitudes were. They definitely were not longing after Jesus. And he spits in the eye. I heard a preacher saying the other day, Jesus did a lot of clean miracles. This is one of the dirty ones. And then he said, I don't care if my miracle clean or dirty. If I see after it, I'm fine. I don't care if it's a dirty or a clean miracle. If it changes my life and turns me right side up, bring on dirty miracle. If it cleans me up and turns me around, you spit all you want, Jesus. Because a spit from you is way better than blindness for life. Jesus asked him if he saw anything. I want you to see this application of spit. It's coming from Jesus. Jesus, I'm not going to spit in anybody's eye. Jesus was living in a flesh, but in a flesh that was without sin. And the, the supernatural power in the blood of Jesus was also in the spit of Jesus. Just like the physical DNA that is in the blood of a human being is in the what? In the saliva or spit of the human being. As I pondered that, spit and blood, something that was an essential part of the body that Jesus occupied was applied to his eye, I start seeing, not as a dirty thing, I started to see that this was, in many ways, the blood of Jesus being applied. Do you see the analogy? Do you see the connection? Between, because your, your blood has your DNA and, and, and your saliva has the same DNA. And if they don't know who you are and they get a drop of your blood, it will get them to the same conclusion as if they had a smear of your saliva. You remember this song? What can wash away my sin? I want you to be thinking about the saliva. Jesus spit in his eye. For somebody who doesn't understand the power in the blood of Jesus, that was spit. But for you and me, folk who know what it means to be touched by Jesus, what it means to be washed by Jesus, what it means to be transformed in your mind by Jesus, what it means to turn your life around by Jesus. You see the spit in his eye and all you think about is the blood of Jesus. 
And I'll read that song. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other found I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my pardon, yes, I see. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, there's my plea. Oh. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. There's somebody here that doesn't understand that it may, you, don't worry with the voices. The voices are telling you it's just spit. The voices are going to tell you what Jesus is offering is just spit. The voices will tell you spit and never done nothing to nobody. Spit is dirty. Spit needs to be put in a tissue or spat on the ground away from people. But we're not just talking about spit. We're talking about the transforming power of Jesus Christ. So that's we're not just talking about spit. We're talking about the glory of God coming on you and turning you inside out. When the blood is applied, when the spit's applied, Jesus said. What you see? So I see men looking like trees. Mm. Let me tell you one thing, and we're ending here. When you are hanging around religious folk, 100% of the time, Alfred, 100% of the time, brother, when you were dealing with just religious folk, those are the one-touch people. God's plan was never, ever to just touch you one time. God's plan was never, ever to be a slot machine. If you give it the right pull, whoo, you're going to win the lotto. Because you are living in a sin-ridden body, one touch is only going to keep you in religiosity. I don't know about you, but as I read this, I could hear God say to me, son, I loved you since you, before you were born. You, you might be on your, on your 10,000th touch. Is there anybody here that believes that even though you've had 500,000 touches from Jesus in your life, you still need another one? I still need another one. I still need another one. 
So today, I end with a proclamation before the congregation. Lord, touch me again. Lord, touch me again. You can go where you want to go with your one touch. You can stay in your religious practices with your one touch. You can dress nice and come to church and sing a hymn and leave as dry as you came with your one touch. You can smile and giggle and go home and be content with your one touch. But me, I'm not ashamed to say, Dr. Jude, I'm, I know, I know. In my lifetime, I've had thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of touches. And I still am saying today, touch me again. Touch me again. Touch me again. Touch me again. He touched me. You're sitting here this morning. For some reason, I don't know, people, friends, whoever it was, has blocked your brain, your mind from seeing that is blood, not what is what God wants to apply to your life is his blood. What people are telling you is a spittle. Whatever it is, it's the DNA of Jesus. And when his DNA comes in contact with your DNA, you're not the same anymore. You're watching us in the live feed. God says, I want to give you another touch, honey. Everybody else around you counts how many times he's had to touch you. But he don't count. He keeps no record of how many times he's had to touch you. All he does is listen day and night, waiting to hear you say, I need another one. I need another one. Dear God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to give his life for me. I should have come sooner, but I'm here now. Your grace and mercy kept me, but now I'm here. And I'm coming to you with a heart that is saying, touch me again. Touch me again. Wash me again. Clean me again. In Jesus' name.
about to be shed on the cross, man, for you and me. He looks at them and he says, guys, there's something coming up that you can't, you can't, you can't do for me. You can't defend me from. This is me doing this for you. My body is going to be nailed to the cross. My flesh will be pierced. I will eventually say it is finished. I say that on the cross, I have paid the full price for your sin. Aren't you happy that Jesus did that? We're going to celebrate this morning as we're going out. The way for the bread that represents the blood of Jesus, the body of Jesus that was broken for us. Father, we thank you that we are alive and still here celebrate the work that you did on Calvary. Thank you for applying your blood to our eyes and allowing us to see like we've never seen before. Sanctify us. These emblems are sanctified, but we need you to sanctify us. Wash us. Cleanse us. 
take with me the wafer that represents his body that was pierced for our sin. Thank you for joining us for this service at the assembly. We hope that it blessed you and strengthened your walk with God. If you responded to the message, will you take just a few moments to fill out a response card in the chat so that we can celebrate with you? If you would like to give to what God is doing through the assembly, you can do so in three ways. First, you can give online at theassemblyflorence.org. If you're on a desktop, click the Give Now button in the top right-hand corner. If you're on a smartphone or a tablet, click on the plus button in the top right-hand corner and then the Give Now button. Both of those Give Now buttons will take you to our online giving platform where you can then set up a one-time gift or a recurring gift and even designate the fund that you would like your giving to go to. You can also give by sending a text message to the phone number 833-729-2238 with a message that says SC Assembly Give. It's all one word together. You'll then receive a text message with instructions on how to move forward. You can also mail check or money order written out to the assembly to the assembly 2925 West Palmetto Street, 
Florence, South Carolina, 29501. Thank you and have a great week. Make sure you check us out for Power Up with Pastor Andrew on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 6 to 6.30 a.m. and times of refreshing at the assembly on Wednesday at 7 p.m. God bless and we'll see you next time here at the assembly.